Well, hello there. Uh, this is another episode of The, the Yamcast. And I'm Chris. And I'm Erica. And we like you, our listeners. Uh, <laughs> we do. Specifically young we adults. We do like you. If you're a college-age young adult, that's who this podcast is for. But we know that there's many of you that don't fit in that category. And you're listening to this. That's totally fine. Or you're young at heart. Yeah. You can always be a young adult at heart. And the reason why you like it is the reason why we like it, too, is because we're talking about contemporary issues and the Bible, and we're finding a way to put those two things together. Isn't that true, Erica? Yeah. So true. So true. And if you would like to contact us at all, you can find us on the socials at the Yamcast, or you can email us at yamcastpod at gmail.com. Dot com. Like the old uh, Homestar Runner website. I was going to say, what was that from? Dot com. Wait, Homestar Runner, was that? Homestar Runner. Teen Girl Squad? Yes. Yeah. That was Strong Bad Email. He created Teen Girl Squad. <laughs> teen Girl Squad. <laughs> that was good. If you have no idea what we're talking about, you are too young and you need to You find, are probably a young adult. Uh, the, web, the website is still live. You can go. And uh, I want you to know that when I was in high school and early college and interning here at this church... It was the number one time waster on the internet of all of the time wasters that existed. So think about it as like Instagram before Instagram existed. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Or the face space before it existed. I'm fully aware that I just took Facebook and MySpace and crammed them. Okay, fine. But also you probably don't know what MySpace is, some of you. Tom, if you don't know who Tom is in MySpace, (laughs) you are also too, no, you're not too young. You're perfect. Yeah, just the way you are. Perfect age for this podcast. <laughs> but for those of us that are older, uh, just imagine Facebook before Facebook was Facebook. And we had a friend named Tom that we couldn't get rid of. Yeah, he was always on the page. When you, became, when you joined MySpace, imagine if Mark Zuckerberg gave you an instant invite when you started a, My, a Facebook page. That's basically what it was. Mm-hmm. But we had to learn how to do HTML. and You kinds. did. You basically coded. Yeah, we coded our own To like pages. make your page... You could have a song when people came to your page. Totally. You could have, well, you had your top eight, yep. which broke some friendships, totally. made some friendships, you know. <laughs> yeah, when you say that, you mean the top eight people that you were friends with. Yeah, you and you chose them. So imagine that so, if that was Facebook, you, you had like oh. top ten. If you weren't on your friend's top eight, you were like, what's wrong? Why? 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 Right, which is similar to today. That's just when... You get that message from people. Hey, if you're reading this, you made the cut. Congratulations. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, I didn't know there was a cut. That's too bad for those people who can't read this. (laughs) And then you also think, I wonder how many people uh, I didn't read that of this week that cut me. But Yeah, you're like, I wonder who else. Yeah. Yeah. But you also probably don't care because you don't even pay attention to what they're posting anyways. All these things are true. Mm -hmm. And if you ever find a pastor who has exactly 666 friends, either friend him or leave completely those are bad. <laughs> to help him out yeah those are bad situations with that said bad situations let's get into hosea 13 you like that transition yes that nice pretty legit. that's a good segue this is hosea 13 is the last of the judgment passages next chapter is actually like really practical really fun it's the last time we have to do one where we feel like we're sludging through i didn't really feel this one was bad oh good i Wonderful. i just feel like because you're going to notice we don't have a lot of times where we um put in our own two cents sure. because I feel like it flows really nicely and doesn't need to be cut up. So Yeah, and it doesn't need a lot of explanation. No. Things are pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah. I like it. So here we go. Hosea 13, verse 1. I will do my best to read this well. Here comes the read-through. When Ephraim spoke, people trembled. He was exalted in Israel, but he became guilty of Baal worship and died. Now they sin more and more. 
They make idols for themselves from their silver, cleverly fashioned images, all of them the work of craftsmen. It is said of these people, they offer human sacrifices. They kiss calf idols. Therefore, they will be like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears, like chaff swirling from a threshing floor, like smoke escaping through a window. But I have been the Lord your God ever since you came out of Egypt. You shall acknowledge no God but me, no Savior except me. I cared for you in the wilderness, in the land of burning heat. When I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud. Then they forgot me. So I will be like a lion to them. Like a leopard, I will lurk by the path. Like a bear robbed of her cubs, I will attack them and rip them open. Like a lion, I will devour them. A wild animal will tear them apart. Like, that's just, I don't know. I just oh, It's poetic. Yeah, it's very good, you know? Not good in, like, a uplifting all the time, but good as in, like, well-written. You can see beauty even if it's a terrible, yeah. right? If you ever go to, like, an art exhibit and it's a really terrible painting in the sense of someone's... The subject matter. Yeah, someone's yeah. using their trauma and they just throw it on the, on the mat, you mm-hmm. know, and you just see it all played out. You can go, whoa... This is beautiful, and holy cow, this is terrifying. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's how I would describe yeah. this, right? Yeah. yeah. Like Ephraim in the beginning is almost revered in a way. Sure. And became proud and worshipped other gods, and they have been punished, like in the very beginning. Um, it says like they are no more. So um, they are being punished because they continued sinning, they will be here one day and gone the next. I mean, he has so many, the early dew that disappears, mm-hmm. chaff swirling from a threshing floor, which is what is blown away from wheat, uh, smoke escaping through a window. Like we all, like I think of like steam that is like, you know, evaporating or whatever. So, um, yeah, like that's, that's, they didn't, he didn't just explain it once. Like he used three different similes um, to explain that, like the morning mist. Like it's just, yeah, anyways, that they're going to be here one day and gone the next. And then he's like, but I, I'm the same always. Right. I was the same when I got you out of Egypt. And he's like, and I will not be second to anything. Right. I provided for you in the wilderness. I guided you. And then you became proud, kind of like you are now. And there are consequences then, and there are consequences now. It's pretty intense to read, and we've talked about this a number of times, that God providing for them the, what they needed led them to being proud. That it makes me stop all the time and pause and just go, okay, God, am I doing that? Right? Mm. Have I received things from you that I'm taking for granted that I now think are my gifts when they're really the gifts that you gave me? Do I have a proper understanding of my place with you? Mm. That's what these passages kind of do for me. Mm-hmm. And did you notice uh, the strange thing in verse 8 that very few times happens in Scripture, but it's a it's a good talking point? No. I'm totally throwing that at you. Yeah, no, I blind. don't. I did not. I don't. Notice how God is described in verse 8. Like a, like a bear. Robbed of? Her cubs. Ah. Hmm. So there's a couple times in Scripture where God is actually referred to in a, I don't want to say in a feminine way, but but a feminine moniker is given mm, in some yeah, regard. Yeah, I, I did not notice that at all. And the key here is not obviously not necessarily saying anything about gender and God. That's not, that's not the point that this is making, nor is it even the point that's meant to be made. But 
papa bears don't fight for their cubs, right? Only yeah, mama, no. only yeah. mama bears do. But I think it's really cool that God's not afraid of using illustrations all across the board mm-hmm. here to describe his passion and desire. Yeah, that fit. Yeah. yeah. So mama bear makes sense. You know, if he's like, I'm a papa bear, they're like, they abandon their children as soon as they eat them. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, because isn't good. it, is it the, is it the reverent with, um, is that what that one's called? Yeah. Where. The grizzly bear and. And. Leonardo. Leonardo. Yeah. Because it's the cub and she's, and it's the mom and she's protecting the sure. cub, right? Yeah. So if you want to see what that looks like <laughs> in possibly quote unquote real life. It's pretty graphic. You could go watch that. It, it is graphic. So so for those of you who are it like, is. oh, I'm going to go watch that with my children. It's like, no, it's, no, no. It's pretty don't. intense. But it is a phenomenal movie. Oh, it's great. Also. It's great. When, when, again, the thing we were talking about in the beginning, phenomenal does not always mean, right. you know, right. good. good all the way through. Good yeah. in the sense of like, oh, I feel uplifted. Everything perfect is happening. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Anyways. But when he cut that tauntaun in half and lived in it, because he was freezing. To, oh, that's a different movie. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars. All righty. Verse nine. Here we go. This is the end of the chapter, right? We're going to go from here to the yeah, end. Yeah, we are going here to the end. Man, you're giving me marathon readings I, I today. know, but they're just so good together. I'm like, I can't. Unbelievably poetic and beautiful. And they don't really have good cutoff points. Like no. That's what I'm looking for when I usually read sure. these. And they just... Yeah, I just like them together. So I think that's helpful for people to know that we aren't just like making this stuff up on the fly. That's good. So. No, I look through and I <laughs> cut it where I would like to cut it. Exactly. And where I'm like, that needs more explanation or that's an interesting sure. thought. But it's just, they're so beautiful together that I can't, Yeah, I don't want to cut it. It's just nice for people to see how the, you know, yeah. how the donuts get made or whatever you want to say. Oh, donuts. It's time to make the donuts. The old Dunkin' Donuts phrase. Here we go. Verse nine. Mm-hmm. You are destroyed, Israel, because you are against me, against your helper. Where is your king that he may save you? Where are your rulers in all your towns of whom you said, give me a king and princes? So in my anger, I gave you a king and in my wrath, I took him away. The guilt of Ephraim is stored up. His sins are kept on record. Pains as of woman in childbirth come to him, but he is a child without wisdom. Until the time comes, he doesn't have the sense to come out of the womb. I will deliver this people from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Where, O death, are your plagues? Where, O grave, is your destruction? I will have no more compassion. Even though he thrives among his brothers, an east wind from the Lord will come. Blowing in from the desert, his spring will fail, and his well dry up. His storehouse will be plundered in all of its treasures." The people of Samaria must bear their guilt because they have rebelled against their God. They will fall by the sword. Their little ones will be dashed to the ground, their pregnant women ripped open. So at first I was going to have us read this again, <laughs> which it's not super long, but no. there are things that I would kind of like to yeah. to hit on. And looking at uh, verse 10 okay. and 11, that, yeah, that reminds, like, he's going back into the history of, of Israel, which reminds me of after the judges when they're like, Absolutely. we want a king. Yeah. Um, Why did they want a king? This to is be a like really, the people around them. This is a really good thing to talk about, right? Because we did talk about this with judges. They didn't want a king so that they just were exactly like the people around them. That's part of what they said. Mm-hmm. But what they said is, I, we want a king who can go fight for us. Mm. And if you have Yahweh, if you've read Joshua and Judges and you yeah. see... The times that they go to battle and Yahweh just, you know, judges had Gideon. 
where they didn't yeah. do any of the fighting. They just cracked a bunch of jugs open and blew trumpets and the people down in the camp started killing mm-hmm. each other and then ran away. Then they did, did the cleanup, right? Mm-hmm. Or you've got various times in Joshua where the sun stands still or hailstones fall out of the sky and, and wipe people out or walls collapse. You know what I'm saying? From just marching around them and yelling. God is their warrior. Mm. If you want a divine warrior, who better than Yahweh to fight for you, right? When you have the angel of, uh, of the Lord leading his army to battle, you have no one that can beat you. You're going to win yeah. no matter what. You know, it, it, when you read the end of the story in the book of Revelation, he just rides into battle and speaks and it's over. He doesn't need to fight. There's no real reason for him to fight. So if that's the warrior you have, and you approach him and say, we want a king of our own who can go to battle for us. You've completely rejected that he is who you need, mm-hmm. which is part of why he's so frustrated with them and part of why he says this. So or I gave you- pridefulness. Right. Like, so I gave you a king because you wanted him. And in my anger, I did so. And I think that's a clever turn of phrase in verse 11. So in my anger, I gave you a king. And in my wrath, I took him away. Mm. that's close to the same word and it's just playing on each other. Mm-hmm. I gave you a king, even though you shouldn't have had one. And now that you've completely rejected me and walked away, like I said, you would. Now I've taken your king away. Who you got now? Step on up. Nobody. Yeah, that's good. But me, like I'm technically still in your corner, you know? Totally. Not me. Yeah, God. Yes, thank you. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> well, and, I don't know that, but yes. Yeah, like, and he says this, right? Yes. I mean, that's, that's the whole point. Like, I, I am your helper. I'm going to fix this, but you gotta, you're going to have to suffer first. Yeah, like, I will deliver this people from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Yeah. Did you see the, the close verse to what Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians when he says, where, or death is your victory. And right here, where, oh, death are your plagues. Where, oh, our grave is your destruction. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really close to what Paul's using. In fact, Paul's quoting. Kind of, yeah. If I remember correctly, he's quoting from the Septuagint translation of this. And so there's a little bit of a nuance to it. And he uses that, which I think is cool. And we talked a lot about east wind last week. I, I saw that When too. I saw that, I was like, ooh, that's the desert wind. It is. Like, I know that's what they're talking about. It's good, isn't it? I which mean, is going to... Make you know the spring is going to fail. The well is going to dry up if you're having that east wind, and it, and it kind of helped you out, saying blowing in from the desert. That yeah. kind of helped us. Yeah. If we wouldn't have done that deep dive <laughs> the last time, talking about the east wind. Yeah, the Bible has a good way of helping us. Sometimes, accomplish. sometimes we got to read between the lines and That's figure true. things out a little bit and dig a little more than we'd like. Yeah, no, this passage is incredible. Uh, and in the deeper dive, we're going to dig a little more into verse 16, but in a tough way that I'm going to need a little help with. So, Because, yes, um, it looks um, gruesome. Yeah, it's intense. Gruesome, which that's also, I think, the thing that we need to realize is, yes, God is all about the good moments and the high moments and whatever, like mountaintop moments. But there also is a reality, and we've talked about that a lot with Hosea, that, like, if you don't have him then you are going to face gruesome things as well. Sure. Or if you rebel, you're going to face, like there's both of those things can be held in the same hand with him. Yes. Well, I think I would partly think about it this way. If, if all you want is to be like the nations, then eventually the nations are going to come to town. And when they do so, it's not as pleasant as you think it's going to be. So in a sense, and this sounds like crazy to say this, in a sense, God is giving people what they want. 
the problem is when they get it, they're like, that's not what I was asking for. He's like, I know I, I was giving you what you really wanted. You just didn't, you wanted something else without realizing you probably should just want what I want. And no matter how many times I tell you, no matter how many times I scream at you, no matter how many mm-hmm. times I give you a profit to tell you what to, what to think and what to say, what to do, you just reject me out and out over and over and over again. And then you're terribly confused when the world comes for you and you're like, well, where's my helper now? What, you just want me when things are bad? Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah, it's kind of like it's you wanted that tangible thing, but really wanted that tangible thing for an intangible purpose. Mm-hmm. And that intangible purpose, like that tangible thing can never do that. No. And because a lot of times it's for comfort or security or right. whatever it might be, status. And it's like, those are things you're supposed to be finding in him anyways. So. It reminds me of that, that thing that I read a long time ago of good times lead to weak men. Mm. And... And that's not necessarily meant to be completely gender specific. But if you think about it in the sense of if you're, if you're the one fighting for your freedom, your children might appreciate it because you told them stories, but your children are living in a mm, different world yeah. than the world you fought for. And those children are going to have access to things that you've never had, right? So if you fought for freedom, your children are generally going to have peace and then they're going to grow up in that peace and prosperity. Their children are going to completely take it for granted and their children are the ones that are pretty much going to give it all away again, which mm, is part of wow. where we're at right yeah. now. So part of what I'm finding interesting about this whole Russia-Ukraine thing that we've, we've talked about a couple of times so far is I'm watching the West start to consolidate again and go, no, this isn't who we are. We're going to fight for We're going to fight in some way toward this. Now, granted, it's economic sanctions right now, but I'm kind of watching this going, man, it's kind of like all of a sudden the West woke up and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa well, we can fight a battle. Let's do this. Let's talk through what we really stand for, who we want to be. Mm-hmm. And now you've got countries that haven't agreed with each other on policy or, or proposals for the last you know couple of decades are now kind of going, no, we agree. Let's, let's not let this happen. And I'm going, all right, that's interesting. I wonder if it will drive us to some type of, some kind of consolidation that leads yeah. to something really beautiful down the road. Because mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, part of what became quote unquote peaceful and prosperous was this, this massive Western connection that was made after world war two. Yeah. They all sort of agreed like, yeah, let's trade openly with each other. Let's, let's work toward peace together. And so they've been doing this through NATO and other things. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden now you're like, whoa, 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 peace just doesn't stay this way. We have to like work toward it. Yeah, right. And all of a sudden people are going, well, I want to fight for peace. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's interesting. Yeah. Alrighty. Here we go. It's time for the deeper dive. So I don't know how to approach this well. And it's like I said, I'm going to need your help a little bit because, and by that it might be you adding your voice or it might even just be you questioning me until I get it right. Cause I'm kind of a moron in this regard. (laughs) But when I look at verse 16, let me read it one more time for you. It's like the worst of the verses we just read. The people of Samaria must bear their guilt because they've rebelled against their God. They will fall by the sword. Their little ones will be dashed to the ground. Their pregnant women ripped open. Now, I've had a ton of people as young adults and others read this verse to me, or I've heard it on numbers of podcasts. Like when I listen to an atheist podcast, and I do a fair amount of those, I, I just, I like listening to philosophers who like to tell me that my faith is stupid. And so it, I, I like it because it, it keeps me fresh, keeps me on my toes. It gives me a chance to kind of respond to young adults, right? When they come to me yeah. with a question. So when I listen to it, they always bring this verse up and they're like, look what God says to do. Look what God is asking for his people to do. Erica, what's the problem with that statement? 
Well, what are they? So wait, which part of it are they? Is he telling them to do something? Great point. That's the answer. Okay. Because I was not, like, I'm confused here. He's not saying anything about what you're supposed to do. So what are, what are they? So they're saying that he is saying that they need to. It's really bad. Like fight? It's really bad biblical interpretation. Okay. So when I hear a young adult come to me and they say, well, God told people to rip out babies and strike them against the rock. Can you believe that God's that terrible? Like, what verse are you talking about? <laughs> You're like, what? Yeah. I know full well what verse they're talking about. They're like, well, yeah, I heard about it. Like, where is it? Yeah. And then when I take them here and I have them read it, which is part of what I'm doing with the deeper dive here, when you actually read it, it's not talking at all about what God is doing. Well, so, so they're saying that God is doing these things sure. to his people. That's sure. what they're saying? Sure. Okay. And they're like, God, look how violent God is. Look how mean God is. Look how God is doing this terrible thing. And I'm like, why do you think that? And then they usually say, well, the first part of the verse, because they rebelled against their God, God is now going to do this thing. But yeah, it doesn't actually say that. It doesn't. And so going back says, to what I like, brought up. They right. rebelled and then this is going to happen to them. So what I brought up in the read through very briefly was they're getting what they want. They want a king like all the other kings, but their kings are not good. So God took their king away and then taking their king away, another king comes in. This happens to be the king of Assyria. What does the king of Assyria do? They were known for their brutality. I mean, they, they would take, they walk into a city and they would take a pike and they would stick it up from, from, you know, basically through your hip bone and put you up on the pike and you just kind of slide down it and slowly die. Mm. And they would line the streets with people to do this. And then they would take their heads, they would chop them off and make a big pile full of bodies and heads. Doesn't that sound like a delightful experience? No. And that these are the people that Israel went to to get help. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you start to break it down and you're like, okay, I, I have a hard time understanding why, if you have God as your, in your corner, why you would go to anybody so brutal? Why you'd go to anybody else and say, I want that, I want that, I want that. And even in the book of Ezekiel and other places, God says, you're going, asking them for help. All they're going to do is see how great of a land I've put you in. And they're going to kind of, they're going to want it. Yeah. So why don't you just trust me instead of trusting all them? But they don't. They trust these other people, the Assyrians, the Egyptians, the, the Babylonians. And every time they do so, this stuff happens. And so what God's describing here is things that the, the Assyrians do to towns when they move in. He's not saying that he's going to do it. Now, you might say, well, yeah, but God's allowing it, which is usually where people yeah, come yeah. to me. And they go, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's, yeah. he's definitely allowing it. So He's not stopping he, it. But if the people group that is going to move into town and take over the nation of Assyria, for example, they want to make a point. And part of the way they make a point is actually ripping babies out of mom's bellies and, and dashing them against the rocks. In one sense, you could read this verse and you could say, what God is saying here is what is going to happen. Mm -hmm. If you chose to repent at this very moment and say, whoa, 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 we're done. If you've read the rest of the book, God's going to just move in and take care of you. The fact that you're refusing to repent, you could say God allowed it, but I would go, well, there's, there's a lot more in play here. This isn't just strictly God's a big meanie who's like wanting to do terrible things to people. He's describing what's going to happen as opposed to him being the one that does it. And we can get into, you know, quibbles and discussions about determinism and Calvinism and that kind of stuff. I don't really want to do that for the sake of the podcast, but, but that's part of why people struggle with this is they read it on their terms and they don't even think about the rest of the context of this, this yeah. chapter and the rest of the context of the book. I mean, the book is 
you've given up your your one true God. Yeah, to something else, and you got what you wanted. And now that you've got what you wanted, it's just going to go bad for you, but you're going to stay there. But then God says, I'm going to redeem you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come back for you. I'm going to get you. But it's going to take a bit. And in the process, some really bad stuff's going to happen. What are you going to do? And so that's a hard, deeper dive. It's a hard concept to deal with. But, but it's kind of close to what we talked about last week. If you're going to read the text, read it slowly. Read it carefully. If you hear something on a podcast or somebody says something, even me, like even right now as I'm talking, yeah. I want you to be studying God's word. I want you to be looking at it. I even want you to email me if you think I'm wrong. And people do this occasionally. And it gives me a good chance to kind of, you know, reset the tone and help people understand what to think or, or where to go or even me, how to be more careful with my words. But... Don't just listen to what people say and assume that's true. Like go back and actually do the reading and then say to your friend, that's not at all what the passage is talking about. Yeah, I remember one valuable thing you did when I was in high school was <clears throat> we would is when we remember us being in small group and you were you would say, One thing I don't want you to do is say, it says somewhere in the Bible, fill in the blank, whatever it was. You were very adamant about you need to know where it says that. Because a lot of people will say that something is in the Bible and it's actually not. Sure. Um, so that was one thing I found to be really valuable was to actually know where it would be. So yeah. th- that means you have to look it up and look it up. But sure. like memorizing scripture is very valuable. Yep. Um, but also knowing where it is and what's around it. Like I remember, I remember kind of going into um, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven because mm-hmm. that thing is quoted all the time. All the time. Like I know the plans for the, you. I have for you. Yeah, plans like to I mean for you and not to harm you. Every graduate, like every like I mean it's just <laughs> everywhere. It's my life. And first. I was like and it kind of makes me cringe when I hear it now because of it being used so much. But then I really went and actually studied what those those that that scripture is talking about. And I'm like, these are these are they are they've been taken over by the Babylonians. Mm-hmm. And they're basically are trying like about like they're basically giving up, and halfway through he's like, no, keep doing life, keep having kids, keep living life, keep working, keep blah blah blah. And then he goes into because I still have plans for you mm-hmm. beyond this, and like right after it he's like, because I'm your God and you're my people. Like he's like, right. And I think that is, I'm like, I'm sorry, you're. Yes, he does still have plans for you when you go <laughs> off to college, but it's just a little bit different. Right. It, yeah, the tone's a little different when this is a people group that have been taken sure. over. Granted, sure. as we're talking about with Assyria, they yeah. brought it on themselves. But still, God is like, just keep doing life because I've got plans that you don't know. And it's just, it's a very different context. So anyways. And if I said to you, I have plans for you that will not be fulfilled until generations from now, are you still going to fight for it? Yeah, right. You know, because we usually deal with it with whether it's college or some major life, yeah, it's life like, yeah, change. Yeah. And like you have a baby and you're just like, oh, I know the plans I have for you, says God. So even though this is tough, like I'm totally going to get through this. And I'm going, what if, what if God's promise to you is I do have plans for you, but they're not going to come to fruition for a hundred years. You won't see them happen. Someone else will benefit from what you do now. Are you still willing to do it? Mm-hmm. That's really what he's saying in Jeremiah 29, 11. Because they're, the exile has just begun, and it takes hundreds of years for God to actually give them back their land. And then after that, it's another couple hundred years for Jesus to even be born. Which he, is he's, definitely he's the ultimate fulfillment of that verse. Yeah, which is definitely different than just using it 
as yeah, you're going off to college. You know, right. like it just it, it's a different feeling. You right. know. Now back to your point about memorizing passages. Yes. If you are a college cheerleader, male or female, and you're looking to find a good battle cry, uh, verse sixteen is a good one to memorize and maybe turn that into a cheer. What are you, you know? talking? We about? will dash your little ones to the ground and we will rip your pregnant women open. You don't think that's a good cheer? That's I a- um I think I think people might cringe a little bit if you threw that oh, out there. Oh, okay. So don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we won't do that then. I think that was a really practical thing to say, but if it wasn't, let's get practical. Let's get practical, practical. Okay, so our let's get practical today has to do with um, God is always giving you warnings. All the time. Always. He is always trying to steer you back to him. The question is, do you listen to, to, to those warnings? Or do you continue to do your own thing? And the warnings are, are usually coming from the spirit. They could be coming from other people, but usually they're coming from the spirit that is nudging you in a particular direction, either telling you to do this or maybe not to do that or whatever it might be. Are you actually listening to it or not? Because these nudges will eventually go away, and that's kind of what we're talking about here with God then just giving you over to the things that you want. So... Yeah, are you listening to those warnings? Are you listening to people in your life that are wise? Are you, um, yeah, checking yourself to make sure, because, I mean, that's a lot of what this was, is them becoming prideful, um, to make sure that that's not happening Mm -hmm. to you. And, yeah, God has given you warnings, like he gave the Israelites, and are you going to actually listen to them, or are you going to be like the Israelites and be taken over by your desires? I think that's really good. And I think also back to what you said a little bit ago, that's really huge is know where it's written. So if you're convinced somebody says something that's right, go look it up in the scriptures. And if you're like, the whole Bible's huge. I don't know. <laughs> we have this thing called Google. The whole Bible's huge. It's, it's called Google. And if you just go into a, a Google or any type of search engine and you just type in the first few words of that verse and you hit enter, Erica, it's amazing. All of the verses where that phrase happens mm-hmm. shows up. In whatever translation you memorized it in. So if you're like, I think the Bible says something about crowns and glory, type in crowns and glory. Or you could type in crowns, glory, Bible verse. And then you might even find out that it's not a Bible verse. <laughs> like I did God with God helps that, those who help themselves. Right. Like I did that um, with the the quote from that guy last week with the don't forget in the dark what yeah. you learned. I actually typed in that and I typed in Bible verse and I was like, it's not even a Bible verse. <laughs> Good to know. It's true. Right. Like we've said, it's true, but that doesn't necessarily right. mean it's biblical or like in the Bible. Totally. And and the truth is that the, the, the scriptures will never not match up what the Spirit's telling you to do. Yes. So back to what so you're true. saying yeah, here, yeah. the Spirit is going to nudge you. If someone is giving you great advice, that's probably... It, it, if they're giving you great advice, it's most likely coming from the Spirit. The only time it's not coming from the Holy Spirit is when that person is not giving you something that's that's accurate. So it might sound really good, but it's not. So test it with Scripture. James tells us to test the spirits, right? So even mm. if, if someone comes to you and like, the Holy Spirit told me this, you should really just stop and pray that the Lord gives you discernment as to whether it's the Holy Spirit or whether it's some other spirit telling them to do something. And if if it's of the Holy Spirit and if it matches up with what Scripture is saying, then, then yeah, do that thing. And I'm totally with you. You should be listening to the spirit. You should be listening to these nudges. God is constantly giving you warnings. You're going to have a night where you maybe got a little out of control and unexpectedly. And you're thinking, what am I going to do next? The spirit's telling you walk away from this thing or don't do this thing. And you or repent from that thing totally. or yeah, do it. Just do it. 
and trust us that it that it's better to listen to the spirit and walk away from the situation or not do the thing than rather than to, wake up the next yeah. morning with that guilt and shame and conviction and like I've I've I tell the students often I'm like if do things you don't have to apologize for you right. know like if you don't do those things then you don't have to keep apologizing right. yeah I mean and obviously that makes so much sense to us but we're old but we also do a lot of things that we should be apologizing for. Sure. But because we're adults, we're like, we don't think we need to anymore. Yeah. And I, and I say this too, cause we're, it's easy for us to say this now cause we're both so old and mature. Mm-hmm. Specifically, I'm really old. <laughs> You're less old, but the reality is still you and I can say all these things. And we also know people aren't going to necessarily listen to us. Yeah. So what you also need to hear in this message, if you're listening to this right now, we love you. We're telling you what's good and what's true. Even if you don't do this, all you have to do is repent. Like there, there comes a point where you're going to wake up and realize I should have listened to them the first time. We're not hating you. We're not judging you for it. We're just saying, hey, let's go. Let's get back on track. Well, and that's all God's saying through all this book of Hosea is all you have to do is repent. All you have to do is have a heart that is repentant and that is drawing closer to me. And like, we're, we're good. We're back on the same path, you know, and like, that's all they needed. Yep. And that's not saying that some of them didn't like we've talked about the whole lot might've not been this way. There might've right. been a, a few, but the majority were this way. Right. So. No, I think that's good. That's a very good, let's get practical. So here we go. Council corner with Erica. Just famous. So this council corner is taking a turn. Is it? <laughs> oh, Yep. Definitely not. That, it is not, it's not always applicable to what we're talking about, but this is what I was thinking about this week. So if you listen to our monthly five, you know that I have been watching Love is Blind. It's just, it's trash television, but it is entertaining, can I just say. But also just for me, like I, I've talked about before, if I could go back to school, I would probably do something to do with counseling. And... It is just entertaining watching these shows just because I'm like, man, there should be a relationship counselor on this show to just help them navigate some of these. Because there's like super easy things that can be talked about of like how to fix some of these miscommunications, but like they just aren't self-aware enough to like see them yet, you know, or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. So while watching Love is Blind, I'm reminded so much of it's not always what we say but it's how we say it right or it's not always wrong what we're trying to express but maybe the way in which we are expressing it is not great meaning it isn't going to be received well and in turn isn't going to give you the outcome that you would have hoped for often we express like expectations or unmet expectations or hurt feelings when they're like still too raw And so we express them with far more anger or passion than maybe we're meaning to. So then the response that we are met with is like hostile or defensive because they're kind of feeling attacked. Rightfully so. You know, like that's that's how I would probably respond to if somebody's just coming at me, you know. Mm -hmm. Instead, maybe you need to take a beat and you need to take a few minutes. Maybe that's for you. Is it just a few minutes to compose your thoughts in a way that will be received well? Maybe it's a few days. Usually sometimes for me, it's a few days. Like I got to really think about like, is this really that important or can I let it go? If it's still there a few days later, it's something I need to talk about. So it does, this doesn't mean that I'm saying that your thoughts or feelings aren't valid. 
I am saying how you express them is really kind of what matters. So I think your first thought should be this person isn't trying to hurt me. Like that's not their intention. And I think if you have that phrase and you say that to yourself, it will change how you express it to them. And you'll go from accusing them to informing them. Mm -hmm. And instead of accusing them of your, of hurting your feelings or whatnot, you're informing them of what they did and how that hurt you. And if you start the conversation with, I don't think you intended this, but I believe your conversation will end positively rather than you did this and it hurt me. Right. Those don't usually end as positively. Or passive aggressive. Yeah. It's not a big deal that you didn't do that. Like I wish you would have done. Yeah. Yeah. It is a big deal. It is because you said something. It's a big deal. Yeah. 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 I think if it doesn't end your your conversation positively, it'll at least start it better, which is great. And I think if yes. you keep that, I'm totally with you. Yes, I, I yeah, agree. Yeah, no. Most of the conversations I start like that do end positively. Sometimes the people that I'm working with are just irrational and unha- unhappy in general. Mm-hmm. And so I try to start it as well as I can. And then I keep praying this with the Holy Spirit's leading the whole time that I'm talking to them. God, keep giving me words. I don't want to stir this up. I don't want to fight this fire. I want to be dependent on you. Give me the right words to say. Don't let this become a thing. And when I... And walking in him and trusting him, it, it usually goes better. Mm-hmm. But even then, there's sometimes people are just so antagonistic toward me or toward God yes. that it's never going to go well. And this is a lot of, in a lot of ways with either close friendships sure. or close relationships. And, and you should be able to say that they're not intending to hurt me. And Agreed. if you don't know that, either you need to really assess that. Or it could be on you that you just maybe think that people are out to get you sure. and they aren't. But it also could be if it's more of an acquaintance or something that they can be, as you said, just kind of like angry or, um, and that's just their natural bent. And it's actually not about you. It's actually about them, you know? Um, But yeah, this is mainly like, you should be able to say for those close friendships and relationships, sometimes family isn't necessarily in that. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. Cause sometimes it doesn't matter if, if your family, they could be actually intending to hurt you. Right. But if, the people you're choosing to have in your life a lot, your close friendships and your close relationships, you should be able to say that they're not intending to hurt me. I agree. And if they are intending to hurt you, they're not really your friends. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you, and yeah, if you're, if you can't answer that well, if you're like, I actually don't know if they're intending to hurt me. That's a whole nother conversation. Toxicity. Yeah. A little bit. Well, everybody, that, I think that was a, you said that was a deviation, but it was a good deviation okay. from the, the concept that we were going to. And I don't think it, it was too far off because our Let's Get Practical is listening to the Holy Spirit. And yeah, really, in that go. sense, you're listening to the Holy yes, Spirit. Yes, yes. Trying to get things done correctly. In the, yeah, in a good way. Yeah. So Hosea 13, lots of fun. Super gay. Tearing out those babies. All right, everybody. See ya. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Yamcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Remember to check us out on all the socials like Instagram at the Yamcast. We love to hear back from you guys, so please leave us a comment or a review, and we might even send you guys a sticker. Also, if you have any questions that you'd like us to answer here on the podcast, you can email us at yamcastpod at gmail.com. That is yamcastpod at gmail.com.